We as a church, we are a church that believes that Jesus literally and physically rose from the dead. I'm going to say it again. We as a church believe that Jesus literally and physically rose from the dead. There are a lot of variations of what people are believing. And there's, you know, some social gospel and, and things that have been watered down and so forth. But I just want to say it loud and clear so that you understand. And you say, well, how can that be? Because dead people don't rise. At some point in your life, if you're ever going to get ahead, you're going to have to believe in the God who created you. And not use your God-given ability to believe, to believe that he is not, or to not believe that he can do what he says he can do. And it's not an everyday occurrence. That's what makes it so unbelievable. It's hard to believe. But I'm going to try to help you today with Scripture and compel you and appeal to you by Scripture to step over that line and to dare to believe something that we cannot explain And the result of that will also be something you cannot explain, but you'll be forever grateful for in your life. We also, as a church, believe because of the significance of Easter, that Easter is really one of the best days of the whole year to decide to be a believer. And to step across that line of faith and say, I I believe. And I'm not going to kid any of you. I'm wanting to strengthen believers today, and I'm wanting to convince those who don't believe today. And I'm not on anybody's case or anything. I just want to share with you some compelling good news out of the scripture. And, you know, for some of you, maybe, you know, your wife's been putting a note in your lunch about God and your mom calls you and you saw something on TV and you read an article or you've just been having these different thoughts or feelings or whatever. You heard the song on the radio and something's been going on in you. And I'll tell you what it is. God's God's at work because he loves you so much. He's kind of draw. He's trying to draw you to himself. And there's no requirement of being all perfect and all cleaned up to to come to him. He just loves you and he wants you to come to him. And and so I just really pray that today would be a part of of your journey and your steps toward God today. And for all of us to, to deal with a truth that I believe is the central truth and that all of us would get this focused in in our lives today. In 1 Corinthians 15, and there's a lot, of, a lot of different approaches on how we could approach Easter. You can just read the account of what happened. How many of you know that that's powerful in itself? We, we read the, the first two uh, sermons recorded in Christianity, not recorded like on a CD or MP3. Y'all with me? But the first two sermons we have record of uh, was just a recounting of the resurrection. And over 5,000 got saved. As a result of that. So that's a powerful way. Also could in our day and time, we could try to refute and defend, you know, different arguments about Christianity and and, uh, apologetics and the resurrection and so forth. And that's one way to go. And then we could talk about the significance and some of the symbolism. And and that's the way that we could go. But what we're going to do is kind of meld all of that together today. And I think we're going to arrive at a good place for all of us today. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3 and 4, and we're going to look at uh, a number of sections here in, verse, in, in chapter 15. And I'm going to be reading today from the New International Version. In, in verse 3, we pick up and Paul writes and he says, For what I received, I passed on to you. Everybody say, that's me. Now, here's the challenge of interpreting Scripture. It was written then and there. And we somehow have got to bring it to here and now for us. And so these principles and these truths, though, are eternal and they come to us. 
So we're able to say when Paul says what I received, I passed on to you. We can say that's me. Okay. So let's try that for what I received. I passed on to you. Say that's me as of first importance. The new living translation says what was most important. So he's passing on to us the thing of first importance that Christ died for our sins. According to the scripture that he was buried And that he was raised on the third day according to or to fulfill the scripture. And so of first importance, get this, of first importance is that Christ died for our sins and was buried, proof that he died. And then on the third day he was raised. So get this, this is the central and essential truth of Christianity. Get this, Christ died for our sins. He was buried. And on the third day, God raised him from the dead. This is of first importance. This is the central and essential truth of Christianity. If you're with me so far, bob your head. Howdy doody, amen something, okay? All right. He goes on then in verse verse 5. And he connects here. And that he, who he, risen Jesus, appeared to Cephas. It's the Greek name for Peter. And then to the twelve. After that, he appeared appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living at the time of this writing. I want you to just make a little mental note of that. They're still alive, though some have fallen asleep or died. Then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. And it actually means in the Greek that he was born out of time. Everything that happened with Paul, because of how special the call was on Paul, everything is, is almost in a set, apart, uh, a set apart time. So get this. Jesus, a risen Jesus, appeared. These are eyewitnesses. Appeared to Peter. Appeared to the twelve appeared to 500 plus in in one setting. A risen Jesus appeared. Let's start to call some names out here. A risen Jesus appeared to Matthew and Mark and Luke and John and James and Peter and Paul. He appeared to all these guys. Now, not only did Jesus appear to all of those guys I just mentioned, guess who those guys were? Those are the guys who wrote the New Testament. So the same guys that wrote the New Testament were eyewitnesses of a resurrected Jesus. Are you following me so far? So let's take this a little bit further. So all the things then that we learned about Jesus, all the stories, all the teachings, all the miracles, all the deeds that he did, the inspiration that we've drawn, the mental picture that we now have of following our Savior, watching what he did, all of those things... We learned those things from these guys that were eyewitnesses. And guess what? These are also the same guys who we learned from them, from their writing, that Jesus is risen from the dead. So it goes together then that all that we learned about Jesus, both pre and post crucifixion, we learned from these, from these same guys. Are you, are you following me on this? So it's either all true. Or they made up the resurrection. I want you to think about that for a moment. You know, things are going so well. Jesus, our schedule is full. We're planning a fall tour. You know, we got, we got it all going. It's all rolling. And now Jesus goes and dies. Not rise. If he did not rise, then they made up that he rose. 
And that just doesn't make sense to me. That's kind of like stealing a Bible. Think about that. Stealing a Bible. Can you imagine if a guy stole a Bible and went and told his friends, I stole a Bible. His friend go, wow, what'd you do with it? I read it. What'd it say? Don't steal. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. Are you, are you following me? So it's either all true or they made up the resurrection. But here's something very compelling to me. 11 of the 12 disciples died a martyr's death. Not because of a belief, not because of a story, but because of what they saw, because of what they were eyewitnesses of, a dead man now walking that they could not deny. They willingly gave their life for their story, for what they saw. And, And here's the thought. People don't tend to die for what they know is false. Are you hearing me? It's important. People don't tend to die for what they know to be false. And so there was something about this. They each had a decisive moment where they faced the reality that you're either going to be tortured and martyred or we can call a timeout and you can, okay, 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 I made it up. But they said, we cannot do that because we are witnesses of this. We saw Jesus alive. Real quick, let's see what happened to him. John was the only one they couldn't kill. He's the only exception. Did you know that they actually tried to boil him in oil one time? And he did not die. Came out a little crispy, but he did, he did not. He did not die. No, he didn't. He survived. God just supernaturally kept him. And then he was exiled to the Isle of Patmos. And that's where he bo- wrote the book of Revelation. Later, they moved him back to Ephesus. He died at an old age. And look at these guys. James was beheaded. Matthew was killed with a battle axe and a spear. Philip whipped, thrown in prison, crucified. Mark dragged through the streets of Alexandria. Peter, crucified in Rome, upside down because he said, you're going to crucify me, crucify me upside down. I'm not worthy to die in the same manner as my Savior. James, thrown off the top of the temple, a hundred feet up and then beaten with a club. Bartholomew, beaten and crucified. Andrew, bound to a cross, preached. He's bound to a cross. It took two days. It was an X-shaped cross. They tied him to it. It took two days for him to to die. Do you know what he did the whole two days? He preached. He preached to those people. Thomas, because you know what? Because you know what? He knows I'm a second away. I'm just a second away. You kill me, I go to him. And so there was no fear because he had seen the one who conquered death. Thomas, run through with a lance. Matthias, who replaced Judas, stoned and beheaded. And then later, Paul himself beheaded. They said, Jesus is risen and we're, we're witnesses. They didn't die for a belief. They didn't die for a cause. They didn't die for a story. They died because of what they saw. Now, I'm going to play hardball a little bit this morning because we've got to get this settled for every one of us. Every one of us. We've got to get this settled in our life. And what Paul is doing here and what I'm doing here this morning is this. If there is no resurrection, now be clear on this. I told you at the outset, we believe that Jesus literally, physically rose from the dead. We believe that. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go the other side of the second. If there is no resurrection, if Jesus was not raised, let's look at that for a few moments. And this could get a little bit rough. If Jesus is not raised, if there was no resurrection, 
then I want to encourage you to abandon all things Christian. Because if he's not raised, it just doesn't matter. It makes no difference. Christianity has nothing to say. There's no help. There's no hope. Pray in your own name. Don't pray in Jesus' name. Don't even pray. Why pray? There's no heaven. There's no help. There's no hope if Jesus is not risen from the dead. Now, let's go ahead here. Paul, Paul writes 1 Corinthians 24 years after the resurrection of Jesus. Okay, mark that, 24 years. Now, get this. Every year about this time, it seems that critics and cynics kind of rise and they'll get on a talk show or they'll write something or blog an article or whatever. And they want to make a big deal about this, that Paul's account could not be accurate because it was, it was decades after Jesus has, ri- has risen from the dead. Now, y'all look to be the smartest group that I've, I've been speaking to. Okay. Look to be. Uh, let's just test this real quick. How long is a, a decade? Ten years. How long would two decades be? Y'all are the smartest. You probably tied with the last service. But okay, so, so get this. 20 years. 24 years. Let me just make a point of something. I want to make a big point of this, okay? When I was in sixth grade, 41 years ago, I won for my school a smile contest and went to county competition. Uh, hold on, I know. And came in second. And I won a transistor radio and a pen and pencil set. And here's the newspaper clipping right here. If y'all pull that up there, I'm on the left. I know, listen, I'm wearing some striped pants my Aunt Marilyn bought me. I'm wearing a hang tan shirt. I'm holding my pen and pencil set and my transistor radio. And inside, I'm thinking, the kid who beat me won a bicycle. That's 41 years ago, and you still hear the emotion of it, okay? Right? All right, let's go a ways back. The same year, the same year, a group named Chicago. I'm sorry things didn't work out for them, that they weren't successful all these years, but Chicago came out with a song called Saturday in the, in the Park. I want you to help me out with it. Saturday, bam, in the park. Bam, I think. That's 41 years ago. That's 41 years ago. All right. 21 years ago, a song came out. I'm not sure why, but a song came out and it says, Don't tell my heart my. Y'all are pitiful. (laughs) Do you even remember that? I'm making a point. Last week. We're driving to Tampa. I'm driving. Alicia's up front. Kids are in the back. She's the radio queen. She's getting music. She turned to an oldie station and the song came on. The devil went down to Georgia. <laughs> Y'all remember? And I don't know what happened. But all of a sudden, Alicia, and there's a lot of words and they're really fast. And Alicia hopped in and she knew every word. Every word, every, 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 every word. And I'm driving and I'm amazed, but I'm also struck with this question. Why? Why? 
And I looked it up. That song's 34 years old. Here's my point. Don't you think that if you'd seen a man who you knew who was dead, who was now risen, and you got hundreds of eyewitnesses to keep the story straight, that even 24 years after, you pretty much... Now, you remember, some of you remember where you were on 9-11. Some of you remember where you were when John F. Kennedy was assassinated, when Martin Luther King was assassinated. You, you remember, I was here, I was here, I felt that. And this kind of thing, 24 years later, he knows, he knows, he knows. And so why Wipe that one off the table. Amen. Now, let's just look. And Paul gets pretty rough with this. And in verse 14, he said, And if Christ has not been risen, let me just make it clear. Paul and I both agree, but Christ is risen. But we've got to get this settled right up front. The central, the essential issue of Christianity Did Jesus rise from the dead? And I'm here to tell you that he did. But Paul said this, consider this, if Christ is not raised, let's look at verse 14. And if Christ had not been raised, our preaching, who's preaching? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, James, Peter, Paul, Jude, everything we have written. He said, our preaching is, is what? Useless. And so is your faith. Useless means this, worthless. How many of you watch Funniest Home Videos? Come on, it's like my favorite show. Come on, achy, breaky heart people. Come on, you, you need to. Have you seen, I watched it just the other day. This guy gets a fake lottery ticket. His friend gives him, he scratches it off and he's going crazy. I won, I won $10,000, $10,000. He's just going nuts because he won $10,000. And this friend said, well, how do you get your money? How do you redeem this? I don't know, I don't know. And look on the back. So he looks on the back and it says, to redeem your prize, go to yo mama's house. <laughs> What's that called? Worthless. It's like Confederate money. It's kind of like when I was a kid, we lived in a, we lived in a trailer park, nothing wrong with trailer parks, but there was something wrong with my trailer park. Okay. (laughs) And next to us, they're digging a septic tank in a drain field and it had this really, really porous rock. And I thought that's cool stuff. So when the workers left, you know, I took some of that rock and I got this great idea and I put some of it in a Ziploc bag. And I took it to school the next day for show and tell and told everybody, I have an uncle who works for NASA. And I have moon rocks. Now, all of my friends were amazed. I wouldn't let them touch it because I got to take it back to my uncle. My friends were amazed. My teacher, irate. What were they? Sewer rocks. Worthless. And Paul said, if Christ had not been raised, our preaching and all of this is worthless. And here's where it hit you in your faith too. He goes on to say in verse 15, more than that, everybody say more than that. More than that, we are found to be false witnesses. What's another word for false witness? Liar. We are found to be false. What happens in court if somebody's had testimony and then suddenly the cross-examination, they get caught in a lie? What happens? They, they throw it all out. It says, more than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. Liars about God. 
For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead, but he did not raise him if in fact the dead are not raised. So if we lied about God, you can disregard everything else that we said. Verse 17, if there's no resurrection, says, and if Christ has not been raised, here he goes again. Your faith, your faith is futile. Futile here means a waste, devoid of force, truth, success, results of no purpose, useless. Your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. That means you're guilty. And not only are you guilty in your sins, you're stuck in your sins. Because listen, there's a whole lot of religions in this world and nobody has come forward and said, I will forgive you of your sins. I will be the sacrifice for your sins. Only Jesus has come and said, I will be the sacrifice for your sins. And if he came forward, wait, wait, if he came forward and said, I'll be the sacrifice for your sins. And he could not conquer the cross and the grave. If he could not do that, then you are still stuck in your sins. And let me tell you, you're not just stuck. You're sunk. We're all sunk. And then in verse 18, and then those also who have fallen asleep or died in Christ, they were believers and they died. Those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. I don't know about you, but growing up in church, if I heard that somebody was lost, that meant they were going where? To hell. But think of this right though. If you lose your cell phone, I lost my cell phone. You don't go around, no, my cell phone's in hell. (laughs) You don't, my keys, my keys, I lost my keys. My keys are in hell. No, they're not. You don't know where they are. And listen to me. My mom fell asleep in Christ. She died a believer. My dad died a believer. My father-in-law died a believer. Precious friends of mine, even in this calendar year, died as believers. And if Christ is not raised from the dead, let me just put it to you this way. We have no idea where they are. We have no idea where they are. That hurts. So all you believe If Jesus is not risen from the dead, all you believe, all you've been inspired by, all you've held on to, all you've been comforted by, all the little things that you made notes and sent to your friend because they're going through a hard time, all the scriptures that you quoted, even the quotes that you used at your wedding from Paul. Paul said, don't be using my scriptures at your weddings if Christ is not risen. But all of those things are nothing. They're worthless. It just does not work. Just forget it all if Jesus is not risen. And then verse 19, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. We're the most pitiful people on the planet if Jesus did not rise from the dead. Because in this life, just this life, look what we've done. We've said we're a Christian and we go to church all the time and we gave money and we served and we cried and we stirred up emotion and we evoked faith and, and we pray for people and we do all those things when we behaved when we could have been bad. That's funny, y'all. We're trying so hard to be good when you could have been bad. If Jesus is not risen, let's go to verse 20. Put it up there. But, everybody say but. Come on, I'm not being rude here. Give me a big but. Come on. (laughs) Read it with me. But Christ has indeed been raised 
from the dead. So you know what that means? All these things that Paul put in place and I put in place and said that if he's not raised, then this is the deal. Paul has given us the big but here. Here's the game changer right here. But he has risen from the dead. So guess what? Our preaching is good. It's validated. It is not in vain. Your faith is not in vain. It's not worthless. We're not liars about God. You can believe everything else about this. Your faith is not futile. Your faith is powerful. And you're not stuck in your sins. You're forgiven of your sins because of what he did. And... And our loved ones who died in Christ, we know right where they are and we'll again be with them in that place. Amen. And we're not pitiful. We're powerful. And we would say it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. And there'll be great reward on the other side of death because Jesus conquered death for us. It all counts. Now, just real quick. Paul says this is a historical event. There's witnesses to this. There's proof of this. I love just the fact that he says at one time there were 500 eyewitnesses. And I pointed this out to him. I had to make a little mental note here. And he said, most of which are still alive. At the time that he wrote this, he said there were some people, 500, a group of 500. I don't know what it was. Cover dish dinner, I'm pretty sure. They're all together. Jesus shows up. How many of you know it got pretty quiet in that place? And then how many of you know it got pretty loud in that place? Because a risen Savior to walk in there. And Paul says there were 500 in one setting that saw this. And most of which are still alive. Now, I'm not real good at math, okay? But let's just call it 500. He said there's more than 500. Let's just call it 500 so we can do some math here. Just half of 500 would be what? 250. So the very minimum of most of the 500 would be what then? 251. So at least there were at the time of this writing, Paul said there's at least 251 eyewitnesses to this. What is he saying? He's saying, steal a camel, thumb a ride, walk, do something, ride the bus and go because there are people That you can go get their story. You can go look them in the eye and hear them tell you about, I saw him. I talked to him. I touched him. I saw. And if Paul had strayed on his story, there's 250 people that could have straightened out the story. And Paul makes this a historical event and it's an incredible thing. It had incredible impact in their culture. In AD 100, about 50 years later, there were 25,000 Christians on the planet. 25,000. A.D. 310, there were 20 million Christians on the planet. In 1910, anybody here that was here in 1910? No, you're not that old. (laughs) There were 600 million Christians, 35% of the world's population. And then population explosion like none of us can even comprehend. Today, there are almost 7 billion people in the world. And get this, 32% of them, 2.3 billion of the world's population agree and believe that Jesus is risen from the dead. There's 2.3 million, variety of shapes and colors and sizes, but 2.3 billion Christians on the face of the planet right now. That's a pretty, pretty incredible impact. So don't buy the lie of the media. 
Don't believe everything that everybody that's got a camera in their face or a microphone in their hand or, or is writing to you on all the different ways to tell you that Christianity is gone, that this is all a lie. People don't believe this anymore. You tell that to 2.3 billion. They're just lucky we're kind of passive. And unfortunately, unfortunately, we're asleep. And it's time for the sleeping giant to rise in the power of the resurrection and get this front and center in your heart, in your mind, and in your life, the central, the essential truth that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. His resurrection is the receipt. It's the proof of purchase for everything else. You know, you probably had that situation. Well, we could help you out if you had a receipt. Or do you have that? Could I see a receipt that you paid for it? Listen, the fact that Jesus rose from the dead, eyewitnesses to the count, and there's so much more proof even historically that we could go into today. But it is the proof. It's the proof of purchase that he conquered death, hell, and the grave. It's the proof that all of this was good, that prophecy was true, impossible prophecies to fulfill, and Jesus fulfilled them. It's proof. It's the receipt that he made good on his promises, that he defeated death, that we can pray, that we can have hope, that we will have help, that there is a heaven. And just seeing that 500 people to see him, that excites me because you know what? To know that 500 people saw him in one setting, it thrills me because now I know. Here's added proof. Here's the receipt. My sins are forgiven. I have help in this life. I can overcome temptation. I can overcome sin. I can pray and be heard. When I die, I'll go to heaven. I can deal with anxiety in life. I'll have help. I'll never be alone. I'll never be without help. And that's your story too if you believe that Jesus is risen from the dead. Here is of first importance, the central and essential truth. For what I received, I passed on to you. Of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. That has got to be front and center. Now listen to me as I, as I finish this up this morning. And thank you for your attention today. Stop being afraid and intimidated by a skeptical world. Love them. And then move a risen Jesus to the very forefront and foreground of your life, of your mind, of your heart, of your hope, and of the lens that you watch everything else through life. I want to call your attention to the choir loft. They're gone. But I want you just to imagine with me that this is your heart and this is your mind. And these are your thoughts. These are your priorities. This is what you believe. These are your values. They're all here. How many of you wish yours was as organized as, as, as that? Sometimes I feel like all mine are stacked and somebody pushed the stack over, you know. But if this is all of those things, listen, if, if they're even going to have any power, if they're even going to have any value, you and I, and this is what I'm calling you to do today, we're going to have to wander up in here and sort these things out. And we're going to have to find this truth, the central and essential truth, Christ died for my sins and was buried. And on the third day, God raised him from the dead. And you need to separate and bring that truth all the way out front and center ahead of all of these, or these are going to be powerless. 
these are going to be so subject to change. You're going to be so wishy-washy. You're going to end up very disappointed. You're going to end up on wrong tracks a lot of times unless you separate out and bring this out as the central and essential truth of your life. That Christ died for my sins and he was buried. And on the third day, God raised him from the dead. Gives everything else its place, its power, and its priority. Amen. And if you're a believer today, I'm challenging you to take the time. And I pray this morning has helped you to just move that out front and center. Because you know what? Then you truly are never alone and never without help. Because the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, when that power was released, as I said earlier, was never, never recalled. It's here to help us all the way through until we get home. Now, if you're here this morning and you're not real sure about all this Jesus Bible stuff and, yeah, it was great singing and a lot of people and cool socks and, you know, I, I just don't know about it. Listen, I'm, I'm appealing to you today. I'm challenging you today. I'm inviting you today to step across that line and to believe Romans 10, 9 says this, that if you would declare with your mouth, it means to say it on purpose, that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. What does that mean? That means that's such a big word for us, Lord. We don't commonly have that word, Jesus is Lord. It means he died for my sins. He, he conquered the cross and the grave. Jesus is Lord. And if you'll believe in your heart... That God raised him from the dead. To say with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. You're, you're the man. You're the one. You did it. And to believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. You'll be saved. And you say, really? That's all it takes? That's all it takes. It's what the Bible says. That's all it takes. Now that begins your journey. And you've got to grow. And you've got, you've got to learn from there. But that's the beginning of it. And I want that for all of you desperately. Could I have all of you just stand with me this morning? And I want to pray this prayer together. From our hearts, Father God, I come to you now. In Jesus' name. Jesus who loves me. And gave himself for me. Lord, I love you. And I give myself to you. I ask you right now. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. And by the blood of Jesus, shed for me. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Make me brand new. And now fill me with your peace, with your joy, with the Holy Spirit, and with the assurance that you'll never leave me and you'll never forsake me. I declare from my mouth, Jesus is Lord. I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. I am saved and I am thankful in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. And if you prayed that prayer really to receive Jesus today, hold on one second. I want to invite you. 
to take the few moments and the few steps it would take. It'd be well worth your while. Come right over here. Pastor Scott, one of our staff pastors, he's got a book that he wants to give to you today and just connect with you just for a moment. And it can be well worth that time. We've had a wonderful morning, haven't we? I pray that your day, hallelujah. We, we have so much to sing about, so much to talk about. I pray that your day with family is awesome. If you have an egg hunt today, I hope that you win the prize egg. I hope that you find it today. Do not push children down though, okay? All right. We're going to pray and be dismissed. Wednesday night, I'm starting some new teaching on the Real Life uh, series. I'm calling it NTI, New Testament Instruction. How do we handle people, things, and stuff? What does the Bible tell us in this day how to do? And the next Sunday, I'm starting a series I'm so cranked about called Battle, Battlefield. And we're going to learn how to win the battle. Guess where the battlefield is? It's right between the ears. And we're going to find out what the Scripture tells us to do. Because, folks, you've got to stop losing. You've got to stop feeling like you're losing. And Scripture has much to say about that. Come back and be with us for that. We're going to pray and be dismissed. Y'all be real safe. Take your time in the parking lot. We've got the most efficient parking. Thank you for your patience. Uh, Alicia and I will be greeting at the south entrance. Or I'll be greeting at the south entrance. And uh, y'all have a blessed day. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Jesus, thank you that you rose from the dead. And we declare as a church, you are risen. You are risen. Indeed, and thank you for your power, your love, your care, your presence in our life. Help all of us to make this adjustment, to, sh- to slide this belief to the center of our lives. We thank you for it. I pray blessing upon each one now. Peace to every dwelling, every gathering today. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. He is risen indeed. God bless you. You're dismissed. <laughs>